Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast, where each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Brian Lockhart of the Marine Corps Movie Minute. Today, I am joined by fellow veteran who is also a military advisor and a star of one of the coolest scenes in The Rocketeer, Rory Aylward. Welcome, Rory. Thanks for joining us. It's good to be here. I say us because I'm used to having my co-host Perry here, who's my safety net and my you know, my security blanket, who unfortunately he's not able to join us. So you have big shoes to fill. My God, I'll do my best. I think you will because you, unlike Perry, you've actually seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have many times. Well, and I can't wait to, to, to talk about that. But today uh, we are actually here to talk about minute 149 of the best years of our lives. And it begins with a good night. And it ends with the unemployment line. <laughs> as as so much as so much in life does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man, this is uh this is too real right now. <laughs> <laughs> Before we, we get into, you know, the minute, we were talking a little offline about your history, but why don't you you know tell me a little bit about your history with the movie, thoughts overall on it? Well, this movie's made in 1946, and, and for my money, no one has done a, a better job of depicting the challenges of, of veterans coming home, which is a tribute to the movie and a sad commentary on Hollywood, I think. There's so much in it. It doesn't shy away from hard issues. I was surprised at how kind of real this movie was, especially with the minutes of Perry and I've been talking about. It's, it's Harold Russell, who is a real-life amputee and you know real-life veteran who was injured, and, and they don't... like. Our minutes, they show full on him without his hooks and, and what, what the real kind of cost of, of war was. And I was surprised that being so close to World War II, that that was highlighted so, so well and so blatantly, basically. That's something I kind of think about later, like post-Vietnam type movies where it's like, well, here's the real cost of war. And I, and I, and I just always, I'm used to like the 19, well, there's like the 40s, like rah, rah, you know propaganda kind of films and then there's kind of like the just the 60s war action films that i that i actually that's my preference and then here's this movie that's like dealing with something very real you know it's a war film but it's not really a war film it's it's a post-war film and it's well done yeah absolutely and 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 yeah you're right there's there's such a there's a there's such a strong break between the movies that hollywood is making during the war and then the you know this film comes along right after it out after all of this patriotic jingo propaganda and now it's like this is real this is the world going forward it's impressive it's absolutely impressive cuz I, I mean surprisingly they they dealt with i mean it's one thing when you have you know a veteran who has a physical ailment that you can see but they kind of get into you know Dana Andrews character he's suffering from PTSD i don't right. think they get into it super a lot in this movie, but it's enough that it's there. I mean, they didn't even call it PTSD back then, and they, they're still talking about it. What's fascinating is, I don't know if you followed this story about, um, biography came out about James Stewart a couple of years ago, Jimmy Stewart. And it talks about just how how badly he suffered from PTSD. You can look at, at It's a Wonderful Life, which comes out the, the same year as, as The Best Years of Our Lives, and, and he's kind of a wreck. He's Dana Andrews in real life. He's the, the, the Fred character, and he's just badly suffering uh, from PTSD. Yeah, I had never heard that, and uh, my, that's my mom's favorite actor, so I, <laughs> I grew up watching lots of Jimmy Stewart movies, whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, as a kid, I, you know, ah, Jimmy Stewart, Wonderful Life. Uh, you know, Wonderful Life is an amazing movie as well. And he's a really good actor. I, I recently rewatched The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And oh. him, him and John Wayne and Lee Marvin, which Lee Marvin, a, a Marine veteran, they're all amazing in that movie. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's, he's terrific. But that's interesting. I never knew that about Jimmy Stewart. Uh, this, is, this is news to me. Yeah, they, they basically, uh, he, was, he was what they called flack happy. And they basically, like, they, they made him take a knee during the war because he was so wrecked. And then he, 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 he flew more missions, but he was just wrecked by it. Oh, wow. There's, there's a scene in uh, It's a Wonderful Life where it's right after he's, like, you know, George Bailey's, like, never been born. His face, there's a, it's like an extreme close-up, and he like turns around, and he's got this look on his face, and it's like, oh yeah, that guy's that guy's seen things. He's really channeling his experience in World War II into that film, and and if if you watch it in that context, it's like watching a whole different movie. Yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna have to look out for that next time I watch it because that's definitely one that I'll revisit. Christmas time, they it's always on TV, and and I mean at this point I do rewatch it, so that's it. Always seems like some of the best actors are tortured in some way and, and have demons and and it's i just i just never knew that about him that's amazing yeah i mean he he wasn't even sure he's going to work in hollywood again after he came back he just didn't know if he had it in him so yeah it's it, it's a it's an impressive story and i and i think you 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 look at dana andrews performance i think is spot on in the best years of our lives and you you can see you know that 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 effect. I mean, basically, Dana Andrews is playing you know what Jimmy Stewart was going through when he came home. Now it's it's funny you, you said how he you know Jimmy Stewart maybe wasn't going to act again. I, I I could I would wonder. I, I think Dana Andrews is great in this movie. Uh, I'm not, I wasn't really too familiar with him myself. I mean, I knew who he was, but I went back and looked at his IMDb, and I'm I'm like I don't really have a lot of movies that I've seen him in other than. The Battle of the Bulge. But I thought he was great in this, but I, I wonder how it would have played if Jimmy Stewart could have played, you know, the Fred role, knowing that this is basically what he went through. Obviously, maybe he wouldn't want the role. Yeah. Who knows, like, with the studio system back then, if, if he was exactly. under contract and who, who, who yeah. he could make movies for and who he couldn't. But, but still, uh, that, that would be an interesting what if. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if he could have, uh, you know, playing himself essentially might have been, might have been too hard. That's a little too real, maybe for yeah, yeah. At, at least especially at the time because it was just after the war. I'm I'm not sure what years he served. Jimmy Stewart signed up early and had taken flying lessons. He knew he wanted to be a pilot, so he basically enlisted in '41, like before the war even started. Oh wow! Yeah, and then the uh, Army Air Corps wanted to use him for publicity, and they used him to make training films, and then they sent him out to be an instructor pilot in the Midwest or out in the West. He basically insisted on, on going to combat. He went over as an operations officer in 44, a B-24 Liberator squadron, and eventually became the uh, group commander. If I didn't already like him as for his, uh, his acting abilities, I'm already, uh, he's earning some extra respect, <laughs> you know, just yeah. earning that, yeah. He flew 20 missions over Germany. He was no joke. And, and, oh, the, wow. and the, the PTSD was more about losing guys in his command. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of guys got shot down. And it was more a reaction to that than anything else. Yeah. And that's, that's actually, you know, as you mentioned, that's Fred's role there. Like when he has that scene where he's having a nightmare and he, yeah. and that he really just can't wake up. It's like a night terror. Basically he's screaming more about his friends or, or, or the other planes yeah, that he's seeing go yeah. down. Exactly. Yeah. 
It's interesting. In 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 a later scene, there's uh, there's there's a scene where his his father reads the letter from his distinguished flying cross. I'm pretty sure that the inspiration for the letter was from a citation for um, a Medal of Honor winner named Jack uh, Jack Mattis, who uh, who actually died. He was badly wounded by a flak burst. And he crawled back to the bomb site and released the bombs, and then he bl- he bled out in the uh, in in the nose compartment. Oh wow. Yeah, and I mean, so I, 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 that's another thing I really like is is the people making the best years of our lives really knew. You know, Weiler knew. Weiler, Weiler filmed a Memphis Bell. Had flown over Germany on missions. There's just this gravity and this realism in 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 the details of the film that that really stand out. Well, you know, back in that time, it seemed like every, you look you, you look at like an you know an actor who has been in the service, and they and it seems like they're all from World War II era. Like I learned that Don Knotts w- was a Marine, and he was a drill instructor at one point. <laughs> and there's times that, that once I learned that, and I would I would look at Barney Fife and some of the faces he makes, <laughs> and I could imagine a drill instructor in oh my, my face doing it. It wouldn't be funny when he did it then. And oh. it's it's like I could see it, you know. <laughs> If you think of Don Knotts channeling Lee Ermey, it's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Now that is a change history I would like to see because we're actually discussing doing Full Metal Jacket next. So can you see Don Knotts, (laughs) Barney Fife, saying some of the things that's in that movie? Oh, (laughs) this is a PG podcast. I can't repeat them here. (laughs) Yeah, you have to realize it's 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 like a it's it's like an alternate reality. Think of Don Knotts as a drill instructor. (laughs) I, I bet you he was no joke, and somebody wouldn't want to mess oh, no, with I'm either. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. sure. <laughs> he, he certainly wouldn't have been a, a a joke if you were some you know boot at the time. So. Oh, not at all, not at all. No, that's it. I it was just uh, Harvey Keitel was uh, was in the Marines. I actually recently learned that Burt Ward was too. Not Burt Ward, geez, Robin. Um, Burt Young. <laughs> really, <laughs> a little bit wow. of a difference. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He was actually a boxer in the Marines. Which. Really? I think would you know I'm surprised uh, that that didn't kind of come up as like uh, Paulie's backstory in in any yeah. of the movies would have been perfect. I think they needed to be too much of a schlep before. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a different movie. <laughs> Although they could have explained why he's an alcoholic. Well, there's thank you. You, you, you tie the knot there, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, because you know that, that's that's another thing with you know Frederick March playing Al Stevenson for his coming home. It's more about him trying to like get reacquainted with his family that he left behind or are completely different from when he left. And, and, you know, I, I, Perry and I have talked a, a little bit about how like he drinks a lot and it, I'm like, he very much reminds me of my grandfather. My grandfather was in world war two. He was an army guy, but he, because he worked at Bausch and Lam, he, he just did stuff stateside. Like they were like, Oh, you did this in your civilian life. We got a job for you here. And like, it was like Arizona or someplace like that. But it just seemed like a lot of those, a lot, a lot of that generation, let's just say there were some hard drinkers <laughs> and and maybe oh, yeah. not necessarily alcoholics, but they definitely, they drank. Oh, yeah. And, and that seems to be like Al Stevenson's kind of thing is I'm a drinker. I'm a change man. Oh, Cause I like, I like his little bit where he doesn't want to do things the way he did it at, at his job before he left. He's got a different perspective on what is right and how things should be done. And I like that, even though it's probably not his best for his career, he doesn't <laughs> hold back. I love his little speech when he gets an award. Yeah. And it was like, he kind of like just turns the knife a little bit as he's given. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I like that. That whole idea that he's judge he's going to judge people based on their character rather than their collateral. 
is just, you know, it's so American and it's so brilliant and you can see they're not comfortable with it. Correct. Right. And speaking of Jimmy Stewart in Wonderful Life, that's kind of what he did in his savings <laughs> exactly. alone. So I think Jimmy Stewart should have played all the roles in Best Years of Our Lives. <laughs> he, was, he was a versatile guy, so he really could have done it all. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> That that scene where where Al comes home is brilliant. There's just that moment when you know when when Myrna Loy is like, you know, she's like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And I I would fight in the Pacific to come home to Myrna Loy. So I mean, you know, he definitely won the lottery there. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad deal. Although his son could have could have cared less about his you know return home. He's like, oh, he bought me a sword, huh? My son would love if I brought him a Japanese sword, soldier sword. Exactly. Yeah, like, oh yeah, thanks. You know. Yeah. How about what? that bomb? You know. <laughs> yeah, you can see that part of reintegration is not going to go as well. You know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you had, you had mentioned, you know, about like this, this movie, you know, kind of being like the best post-war kind of like, like dealing with veterans. Have you ever seen the movie till the end of time? No, I haven't. It was made the same year. And I had to watch this movie because after watching a Navy guy, an army guy, and, uh, and well, basically an air force guy, the army air corps, I needed some Marines. <laughs> yeah, I was very disappointed that William Wyler didn't provide any Marines for this movie, but it maybe would have been too on the nose if he got every branch of the service. Yeah. But there was a separate movie made in 1946 called Till the End of Time, and it was focused on the Marine Corps, but it was the same kind of idea, Marines returning home from, from combat. Right. But it was very much, um, how, how should I say this? It's a lesser movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's, two, there's two really good scenes in this movie. Robert Mitchum is in it, and he plays Elvis before Elvis was Elvis. Right. He, he is basically channeling Elvis. They call him Cowboy. But he's not the star. He's kind of in the beginning. He's in it at the end. There's a scene where all the guys are just processing out, and they have to go through, and they have to see the like basically the counselor as far as, uh, hey, hey do you, are you aware of these benefits that you can get? You know, GI Bill, right. you can go to college. And, and it was just them filing through. It was like a montage of this. And I was like almost having flashbacks of, man, this is what it's like to check out. I'm like, man, they really captured that. Uh, <laughs> and it was on a mass scale. But, but the, the movie itself is about this. It's, I kind of called it like a rebel without a clue type <laughs> vibe to it. It's it, the, the main kid just, uh, you know, the parents wanted to go back to college and, and, their, and their way to help him kind of integrate is get over it. And it's, it's just not... <laughs> It's not good. Yeah, it's 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 not you know, and I don't know. It's it's like like best years of our lives is a three hour movie. I did not feel like I was watching a three hour movie. No, I, I don't remember the the, the runtime until the end of time, but it felt like I was watching it till the end of time. <laughs> it just dragged. There is a cool scene at the end where, the, where somebody was kind of being a little uh, anti-Semitic and Robert Mitchum's like, well, let me tell you about a friend of mine who you know who happened to be a Jewish guy and. And then they just end up beating up all the racists, which is great. It's a great little. Because <laughs> <laughs> every movie's better if they're punching racists. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and every movie needs a good fight scene at the end. So that yeah. at least left me on a, on a good feeling at the end. But getting through it was a slog. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, I would like to say that they attempted to capture what Best Years of Our Lives did. I just personally feel they failed miserably. And I hate to say that about a Marine Corps movie. Well, sometimes, you know, you swing, you swing and you miss. That happens. I especially liked the uh, drugstore scene in the best years of our lives where uh, Dana Andrews uh, punches the conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that, that actually reminded me 
of Robert Mitchum punching out the racist guy. It, it, it was like, I'm like, I'm like, I can see what they're going for. They're doing a very kind of similar, you know, movie. It's just, it's kind of like Deep Impact and Armageddon. And, you know, some people say Deep Impact was better, but Armageddon was a much funner movie. You know, that type of thing. Not that, <laughs> not the best years of our lives is quote unquote, a fun movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, I need some laughs. Let's watch the best years of our lives. <laughs> and especially the scenes that, I, that, that I've been reviewing where it's a guy, you know, just you know, bearing his soul to his, the love of his life and just showing how vulnerable he really is. And, and then it's like a double whammy when you consider Harold Russell probably wasn't really acting much in this scene. He wanted to take acting lessons and Weiler, well, he started taking acting lessons and Weiler found out about it and, and, and forbid him from taking acting lessons because he just wanted him to be him. That was a, that was a, uh, a wise choice. Uh, I, yeah. I think he comes off, he, he's very real and, and especially in these scenes. I mean, we, we joke because there's Wilma's coming in, it's at night and he's getting chicken and, and he's being, you know, he, he's like, oh, he wants some chicken, wants some milk. And it's like, who, who does that? <laughs> you know, but <laughs> That that is something that you know he's he's uncomfortable. He's avoiding a situation, so he's just being polite. Like why he's going to talk about anything but right. what she's there to talk about. So I watched Diary of a Sergeant, which is the short right. film. It was on YouTube, and he's great in that. You know, obviously he doesn't narrate it, but he, he his personality comes through. So the scene now where he's now taking off the the apparatus, his prosthetics, and then he's explaining how they work to Wilma. And then he explains how vulnerable he is. I was like, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's kind of what he was doing in diary of a sergeant. You know, I don't know this for sure, but my speculated that Weiler probably saw that and was like, yeah. I think I know how we're going to, you know, kind of wrap up his storyline here. Yeah. No, Weiler definitely saw the film and that's how Harold Russell is, uh, is cast in uh, the best years of our lives. And I, and I think they, I think they wrote it for him. I mean, they wrote, they specifically wrote the, wrote the script about, you know, a, a sailor who lost his hands so that they could, they could have him. That, that storyline was written. I mean, the whole, the whole story is, you know, it's about veterans coming home, but I think they, they catered that role for, for Harold Russell. Yeah. Cause I think originally there was a, there was a different, it may have just been an army guy that had PTSD. I, so, and, and you kind of capture that with Dana Andrews, with Fred. Yeah. To me, I think this was the better choice. You, you got the, the kind of the, the mental stress and, and, and difficulties that people have to deal with. And then now you got a physical one as well. Sure. And that idea of him feeling vulnerable, but also like not wanting to be a burden on people. And, and I think it, you know, for, for, you know, you think of the thousands and thousands of veterans who did come home, World War II, missing arms, legs, you know, disfigured. And, and what a, what a beacon in the night this was for them to have the country see this film and go, oh, that's what you're dealing with. Because, you know, what an awkward conversation to have. Hey, lost your hands, huh? You know, I mean, who who knows how to have that conversation? Even today, you know, I see guys from, from Afghanistan and, and they're missing an arm or a leg and you go, I'm pretty sure that happened there. But how do you start that conversation? So, yeah, I mean, what a what a public service that was. Yeah, totally. And, and in fact, in the Diary of a Sergeant, one of the things that they kind of narrated, the army provided a, a movie night for, for, for some of these disabled veterans in the hospital. Most times when they would watch a regular movie, they were, had no interest or even downright mad. But then they brought in another army training film and it was called Meet McGonagall or something like that. And it was about another person who, who 
who has these kind of hook hands. And then of course, Harold Russell was like, Hey, he, he, he spoke, he jumped right up. And, and what stood out to me in that, in the diary of Sergeant was how he mentioned everybody in the ward was paying attention to that film versus they, when they were disinterested in like a feel good, you know, Hollywood movie at the time. So putting this now in a broader Academy award winning movie that many more people are going to see that, that, that was a, that was a great idea. And it's going to reach a broader audience that way. Uh, Sam Goldwyn was famous for saying he didn't care if he made a dime on the best years of our lives. He wanted every American to see it. And, you know, I mean, there's there's Hollywood and there's there's publicity and stuff. But I, I think he actually meant it. I think he actually felt like he was he was doing something and, and giving back. I feel like Jim O'Kane feels the same way. I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> About Harold Russell and, and, and showing his his vulnerability early in the film. You know, he like yells at his sister and his friend, his sister's friends, because they're like he just thinks everybody's like staring at him. And 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 then of course, like he gets embarrassed really early in the film when he when he spills a drink. Although yeah. we see both in Diary of Sergeant, but also this film that he he actually can manipulate uh, a lot of stuff quite well. He just he was flustered, and of course, accidents are going to happen. But he's now thinking everybody's pitying him, and I and and. So our minutes that we've been talking about with Wilma, really the whole bit with him kind of being distant to Wilma throughout the whole film until he's being very real with her and she's actually kind of sharing her feelings as well. And they're both laying their cards on the table is he didn't want to be a burden to her, as, as you said. And she's like, look, I love you. <laughs> You're not a burden. <laughs> so hey. let's, let's get over that. And I think that's good for people to see that. Yeah. Not everybody is going to feel like you're a burden. And this is just something that it may be hard to talk about, but, but people are willing to talk about it with you and, and help you go through it. There's, there's a great payoff in that scene in the minute we're looking at where he puts his arm around her for the first time. And in the earlier scene, when the movie first starts and they're in the cab and they drop him off, Fred says the Navy did a great job of teaching him to use those hooks, but they couldn't teach him to put his arm around his girl or stroke her hair. Then you finally see in our scene that he finally puts his, his arm around her and, and you see the look on her face that she's thrilled. You no, know, she's, she's finally getting through to him. So beautiful. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I like her line. I think it's in an earlier minute where She's like, well, why can't you see the way things really are instead of the way you think it is, is basically the gist of it. And, and that's it. He, he can't get out of his own way with her. He's trapped in his, his, you know, in his belief that, that he's not, you know, she won't, she won't want this life. Right. And she, and she's really anything but. We take obviously to the end of the movie before they finally can have this cathartic moment where they can just as I said, lay their cards on the table. But throughout the movie, I think she makes attempts. She's always kind of there. She's always coming to him, but he's always so distant and cold. It never really goes anywhere. And and right. and since the thought was to send her away so she can kind of get over this puppy dog love is, is kind of how I see the parents kind of thinking of it. Right. She's like, well, I don't have time now to be playing around. I have to let him know how it is because I'm either leaving or we're, we're going to move forward. What's it going to be? I, I, I thought it was funny because even after he takes all his, his hooks off and shows her how it really is, he immediately still assumes that she's like, well, you've seen it. So I guess you'll be going now. And she's <laughs> like, well, yeah, I am right here. I'm still here. And, yeah. and so then she, she just kind of springs into action to show, hey, look, I, I'm 
I'm, I'm not uncomfortable and I'm just going to do it, which, which actually brought me up to a scene in Diary of Sergeant where he goes back home, Harold Russell does, and he's on the train and, and he, and he goes, he meets a girl and he ends up going out with her. And now in that, he didn't seem to be as put off and shy as Homer is, as far as dealing with a member of the opposite sex. But they, there, there's a line that is mentioned that I think they eventually did talk about it. She didn't look away, but she didn't stare. So he appreciated that. And then there was somebody he didn't like that he knew from his former life, like before the war. And she just basically stared at him and turned it, you know, was kind of rude to him. And he said, uh, but I actually respected her more <laughs> because she didn't shy away from it or something like right. something along those lines. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny at some level, is it, is it easier to meet somebody who only knows you in that context, or is it is it easier like someone who knows you and loves you and and you know just doesn't care? How how do people react to these things? Yeah, I guess I guess it also too depends on the person that you're dealing with. Because in this case, obviously they're they're going to build a life together, Wilma and Homer. You got the baggage of him wanting what's best for her, and unfortunately, he right. feels that he's not best for her right. at least when he gets home. But but he's so comfortable around Fred and Al. Right. right. That's one of the things about this movie that I like and I think was captured really well. I've met a lot of guys, you know, just because I live in North Carolina. There are so many military bases here and yeah. so many guys that have either retired or got out and stayed here. And anytime I meet a veteran, it's so much easier to. And I haven't even gone through half the stuff that some of these guys have. But it's just there, there's just some sort of commonality and there's like like a frame of reference that you can that you meet that. It's it's just so easy to kind of talk to, and honestly, like I'm the type of guy that would kind of bust your chops. So you you, you kind of you kind of take the take the say what out of somebody or or about the situation by making maybe a, a, a callous joke, <laughs> depending on the person. You know, obviously somebody might get offended, right. exactly. but other people but might be like, yeah, you know, and it, and it's no longer a thing. You know, you right. just kind of get it right. out of the way by, by calling it out even. And so, yeah. so sometimes just meeting somebody new for the first time and can do something along those lines, then yeah, there is no, there's none of that baggage. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's from the very beginning, you know, when, when they meet Homer, that it's just like, they just accept him for who he is and, and he's counting on that. Yeah. Oh, you lost your hands. Okay. Next. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. So. It's like, oh, come on sailor. You know, like just, <laughs> just like that. It's, it's. And then they keep running into each other at Butch's place or in town. Right. And it's never, it's never a thing. He's just one of the guys. And in contrast to the way his family treats him, like, you know, oh, well, you know, they, they, like he's, they, they treat him as disabled. They treat him as like less than he was. His veteran friends, who he's known for like three days, don't. <laughs> they just like treat him like him. Yeah, his, mo his mom is like devastated and treats him like he's damaged goods, basically. At least her her reaction to him and everybody's kind of, Oh, it's her, it's her baby. And he lost well, his hand. Right. And, you know, how, how do you, you know, how do you wrap your head around that? That's, that's true. That is true. And, or, but even the, uh, the father, well, the potential father-in-law who was like, well, well, we'll just get you a desk job somewhere and you, you're going to work. Right. And, and, but he's, he, he calls out his, his disabled veterans and we're looking, you know, we're looking to get disabled veterans, which yeah. honestly, I think it's kind of, that scene was kind of filmed like the guy was being a little callous, but it's actually kind of nice that he was on that. They're offering jobs to disabled <laughs> veterans. I, I, I think Homer would have appreciated if he just didn't talk about it. It's like, Hey, you know, we, we want you at the firm, not, we want you at the firm because we're looking for disabled veterans. <laughs> well, that's a good point because now it looks like a handout instead of a, exactly. and, and honestly too, he had just gotten home. 
So it's like, hey, give me a minute to breathe and re, you know, you know, like I'll get a job. I got, I get some money coming from the government. I'm all right. Uh, right. You know, like, could I just hang out for a while? <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. Don't hang out as long as the the the, the kid from till the end of time, because like you know, then then we're into that movie, and then the movie's terrible. Well, I had I. I had a question for you because, uh, you know, we were discussing off, offline about you have done military advising and you've kind of basically started a, a, a company to get military vets into doing background work and, and other acting gigs. Have, have you ever had a lot of call for disabled veterans like with clear physical disabilities like like Homer, because I know I know one of the things is William Wyler told Harold Russell, like, hey, you might want to go back to college. There's not going to be a lot of call for for sure. disabled veterans. So it, it, has that come up in any of your experiences? It hasn't in any of the films. I, I think it came up on one project, but through the Screen Actors Guild, there's, you know, like if you're looking for someone with, with that, they, they have a database, for lack of a better word, about what, I mean, in the same way, if you were looking for somebody who uh, who spoke French, they would have you listed as, yeah, I, I'm I'm missing a leg or I'm missing an arm, and and that way, casting agents know where where to find people. I see on some of the websites that cater to veterans who are trying to make in the film industry, like they'll 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 tell you like if if you if you have something like that, let us know because when there is a casting call for it, we want to be able to reach out and and get a hold of you. Saving Private Ryan, for instance, in the opening scene, there were they specifically cast people who did not have arms or legs because they wanted to show them being blown off. Ah. It, that's where it comes up as much as anything in, in combat scenes where they want to depict the brutality of, of combat. I've never worked on anything that, that wanted to cast someone who was missing a limb, although I, I wrote a pitch for a television series, and one of the characters was a, was a Green Beret who'd lost an arm wanted to feature that maybe, maybe because of the influence of the best years of our lives is like i wanted to put that front and center that this guy was like you know living a normal life he actually sort of functioned as a as a bodyguard for a guy even though he was missing one arm just because you know if you're enough of a badass that you know you don't need that other arm exactly as i said like being in north carolina you know obviously world war ii so many people mobilized but you know we've had iraq and afghanistan going on for quite some time now and there's definitely vets that are coming home injured. I just randomly see guys and gals and you know women. I'll notice they're missing a leg. You know they 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 have a prosthetic or or sometimes a, a hand. Just just randomly, they're out there and and they they exist. And it's not a bad idea to highlight them just same way they did in this movie nowadays. And so I, I just didn't know if that because I tried to do a search. I was I was curious. Like, are there any other physically disabled veterans? that have kind of made it in, you know, into films. And anytime I did a Google search, it would just come up with like, oh, Lieutenant Dan or Born on the Fourth of July. I'm like, well, these are actors. These are big name actors who are playing disabled. They're not disabled. So I, right. I didn't know if they're there, but that makes total sense. I imagine a movie like Hacksaw Ridge probably did something similar to what Saving Private yeah. Ryan. The the only person I could come across that was a veteran and had a physical, I guess, deformity for lack of a better word was uh, James Doohan, Scotty. He was missing a finger, but they never highlighted it on TV. He always hit it. So it's not like it, it was front and center and like, oh, this, you know, Scotty saw some stuff. You know, it was always he always hit it. Well, I mean, Leroy, uh, Leroy Petrie, the Medal of Honor winner from the, the recent war, he's he's missing a hand. And sometimes you'll see him him talking about it. 
and he's got like a prosthetic hand. It looks like he's wearing a glove. Looks like he's wearing like a black glove. But he's he's been out talking about it. So yeah, but I think I think the more I mean, it just and 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 not just veterans. I mean, you know, there's people who've lost limbs doing doing other things, and just you, you don't want it to be a stigma. You don't want people not be afraid to talk about it. So yeah, I think it's it's. I mean, the the visibility that Harold Russell provided in the film for it was was I think huge. But I I, I think you're right. I think we need we need to revisit that conversation because people need to see that it's you know it's not the thing we make it out to be, and we don't need to be uncomfortable talking about it. The only movie I keep going back to just on the top of my head is Starship Troopers, where they were showing a lot of the, the, of course, that was all CGI, but they were showing a lot of the military guys who had gotten tore up in war. And, but that was meant to be, I mean, that movie is as fun as it can be. It was meant to kind of be a little bit more like, Hey, don't let the military take over. This is what you're going to get if, if you do. So <laughs> I, I, um, I don't know if you've ever read the book Starship Troopers, but the one, one thing is certain is that uh, Paul Verhoeven did not. <laughs> uh, that is correct. It is quite a different. I mean, both are good on their own. They're not the same thing. When I was working on Courage Under Fire, I was working with Matt Damon, and he actually auditioned for um, Starship Troopers, as hard as that is to believe now. But <laughs> but when he went to the interview, he, he mentioned, I had suggested that Matt read uh, Starship Troopers when we were working on the film, and he did. He, he told Verhoeven that he'd read it, <laughs> and Verhoeven said, oh, no, we're not following the book at all. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> it's like na- in name only. <laughs> just, we just took the title. They actually had the script. Like mostly before they even like bought the rights to, to Starship Troopers oh. or acquired the rights because yeah, the two, two are not related. You know, it's, it's too bad Matt Damon didn't end up in that film because I think he would have been amazing. But you know who else would have been great in that film? Yeah. J- Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. In, it would have been a very different film in, uh, in the Jimmy Stewart version. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I, you know, Jimmy Stewart and when Harry met Sally, I mean, let's, you know, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's just read this, <laughs> put him in everything. Let's do it. What a, what a good actor. You know, they keep talking about remaking, um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I think he won the Academy Award. It was nominated, um, before World War II about, you know, this, this young guy in Washington and being disillusioned. They've been talking about remaking that film for like 70 years. They still haven't remade it. It's time. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That's, that's the type of film that is probably relevant every time a new Congress is put into yeah, power. Exactly. <laughs> so we can do it every two it years. Goes out of style. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everybody's just disillusioned every two years. So every two to four years, we'll just say, but, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> exactly. That's a different minute. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I was going well, that leads into my, uh, the ending of this minute where we, we see, uh, Fred in the, um, unemployment line. My only note for that was even back in the forties, we got government efficiency. It's just a long line of people. They look like they've been there for hours. <laughs> How's that working out? Yeah. Literally thought it was a DMV. <laughs> no, you have the wrong form. One thing I noticed about a Fred, you know, the, the, the putting on the, the military advisor hat is his jacket has nothing on it. You know, and you think, okay, you've been in the war for how many years? You look at, at flight jackets from the time and guys decorated them, you know, they had like painted their, their plane on the back or, you know, uh, the, the group patch or whatever. And his is, I think, I think maybe he's got his, uh, shoulder tabs on. I haven't looked at it lately. It's just surprising that his like, there's nothing on his jacket. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny how like as accurate as they can be. Sometimes there, there's always going to be something that, that they miss. Sure, sure. And, and they used to drive me nuts. I used to not be able to lie. Like I, one of my favorite shows now is Jag. 
I hated that when it first came out. I was like, oh my God, this is so stupid. It is great. I love the show. <laughs> but I kind of got over, I kind of got over that. There, there are times though, where it's just, I have to go really movie. Did you even, did you even try? I was considering doing major pain one minute at a time. And I think, I think they said that major pain was it at Pendleton, but it was in Virginia. And I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> they had a sign for like Pendleton, but it said, but he was like in Virginia. And I'm like, you didn't, did you even pull a map out? Look. So going back to that, one of my questions for you was overall, do you think that, that the, you know, the few military, the actual military scenes that we get, does it capture what you would think considering coming back from war, any of the you know stuff early on, or, or just do you yeah. like the uniforms, obviously you mentioned Fred's jacket, but to me, it, it, it looked fairly authentic and, and nothing yeah. stood out to me as like, uh, yeah. that's a little, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I th the only, the only, the only thing I think is odd is that Al Stevenson is a, is an army sergeant. And he's 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 a master sergeant. But he's like, you were a bank official. You were working at the bank before, and clearly were like, you know, someone to be reckoned with at the bank. Like, how did you not get commissioned? And why did you end up in the infantry? He's clearly older. He's got two kids who are like eighteen years old. So he's he's not a kid. So how does he end up in the infantry? And how does he end up as an enlisted guy? I'm glad you did mention that because early on, I'm like, man, he's. I mean, obviously. Older older guys did enlist or get drafted because it's sure. like, hey, we need fighting age men, and you, just because you're a little bit older, you're still fighting age. He just seems so much older than everybody else, and it's like, how long was he actually in that he was like a master sergeant? Did he just get battlefield promotions left and right, or did he start out with a higher rank just because of? I, I mean, that, I don't think they did that back then, but it's it's almost like he was in the National Guard or something. But again, why wasn't he commissioned? Yeah. And and it's not like none of that could happen. I mean, older guys signed up and they sent them to where they needed them. So, you know, that all it's not that it's wrong. It's just that you you look at it and go, well, that's that's odd. One thing the military did better in World War Two and not without exceptions. But when they drafted you or when you enlisted, they looked at your you know, they looked at your resume and went, oh, yeah, we need you here. Know so there's so much finance and accounting in putting on you know a, a a world war that you like why didn't he end up in the finance corps? I, I would assume like he would have been a perfect candidate for like S one you know the guys doing yeah. all the admin work exactly so you know you you look at that but I mean obviously that's not as good a story and obviously he's he's a terrific actor so of course you want him <laughs> it's like oh absolutely <laughs> yeah you got to give Hollywood a little bit of uh, leeway yeah, absolutely it's a better story that he's a combat veteran and it's a better movie because Frederick March is in it so yeah I'm you know I'm 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 for it. <laughs> Uh, agreed agreed i think he's great one of my favorite scenes in the film is actually when fred and al have their little confrontation at, at butch's place i think it happened at butch's place when they're like what are your intentions with my daughter and like just these two you know men you know just like just putting it all out i keep saying well i should say putting their cards on the table because i said that with homer and wilma about 10 times but but just i need to talk to you and then yeah. he and he and they're just both they they don't hold back. They just kind of, they just speak their mind. And I'm like, man, that's so refreshing. Just two guys just being like, Hey, what do you, what's your deal? All right. This is my deal. All right. I guess I'll back off. I guess we'll back, you know, it, like just their back yeah. and forth. It's a great scene. And that clipped way that, that, that people spoke in the forties where like, let's, let's just have the conversation and nobody felt the need to embellish things, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, it's not like beating around. There was no beating around the bush, and I think that's what I kind of like. It was like direct. There was no small talk and <laughs> none of that. It was it was good. The, the scene when um, when uh, you know Dana Andrews uh, when Fred asks the the junk man for a job, and the guy says looking for a job. That's it. That's you know not like let me tell you my life story. Just yeah. like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, well, I used to fly these things, so that's about by my experience. And, and okay, fine, you're, you're hired. You know, like it was that simple. You know. <laughs> hey, Gus, see if you can use this guy. It was, it's not like, well, you see if you could see it in your heart to maybe you know give a you no. Know, yeah. It's yeah. just boom, done. And and that's a great thing about his character. It's like he's still got his pride, not in a bad way, not in a you know I'll let it get in the way. But it's like I'm not gonna. I'm not going to kowtow to you just because you can give me a job. It's like, I'm still, I'm still who I am. Oh, right. Like he's not holding out for a management position, you know, because he's not too, <laughs> he's, he's not too good to take a manual labor job, sure. but at the same time, he's not going to grovel for that right, job. Exactly. No, I'm a, I'm a man and I, you know, I can offer you a service. Can you use me? You know, that's simple. Well, it's, it's, it's very telling in that scene. You know, we're, we're jumping ahead in the movie, but he, um, he, he says, hey, Gus, let's see if we, we can use this guy. And Dana Andrews thanks him and then walks over. And he starts taking off his flight jacket. It's like, I'll, I'm, I'll dive in right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I didn't mean today, but no, Dana Andrews did. <laughs> Fred did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, is there a job here? I'll take it right now. <laughs> right. It's almost like a day laborer at that point. But I, I like that, though, because he's, he's like, yeah, I'm willing to work. Dana Andrews is great. Fred is probably my favorite character in this movie just because of stuff like that. Yeah. Although I, I do, I do like Homer just cause he's got personality. <laughs> he's always quick with a joke. Except, I mean, when he's not dealing with Wilma, when he's dealing with his friends, he's, he's very personable and, and he's great. Have you ever seen inside moves, the movie? No, I don't think so. It's the next movie that, that Harold Russell does after the best years of our lives. It's made in 1982. Okay, I I have not I have not seen it. It's I I, I think you'd really like it. It's a, it's a it's a it's a wonderful film. But Harold Russell is you know it's like like he goes on he lives his life and then somebody brings him back for this movie, which is which is 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 really well done. I'm surprised they didn't find more roles for him sporadically throughout the years. Yeah. It's obligatory that you have to mention he won two Academy Awards for the same role. So we'll get that out of the way now. But clearly he won the. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he won the Academy Award, and he does a good job. So I'm surprised they didn't find little things for him to do throughout the years. But maybe, maybe between going back to school, doing, I think he was with, uh, was it AmVets? He was big into that. Maybe he just didn't have time either. I think he stayed. He stayed busy. He had a life, you know. But um, yeah, uh, um, and certainly yeah, the the story of him winning two Oscars is is such a good one. It's like, yeah, nobody thought he'd win that Oscar, but we wanted him to have an Oscar for what he did, and then he wins two Oscars. <laughs> like for you harold yeah that, that's that's awesome i i i like that because it, it is it's like well here's this like you know here's this here's this prize that we're just going to give you but oh actually he won <laughs> <laughs> but he gets a little bit of acting to do in this in this minute it, you know like i kind of to circle back to this particular minute it's mostly a silent minute it's just the good night i love you he hugs and wilma walks out but he has a little tear you know that comes down so yeah very powerful yeah, and it's a good moment. Although, this, now this is my part where I come in and ruin a very powerful moment. <laughs> so, you, so you are a Marine. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, I can't let this go without you know, being a you know, wise. Say what? 
at some point. So, <laughs> so earlier in the minute or in the scene, he explains, he flat out tells Wilma, if this door shuts, I'm as helpless as a baby and I won't be able to get out. Like if there's a fire or something like that, he's stuck. And the very thing that she does, just as she walks out, she about closes that door on him. And it's like at the last <laughs> second, she like kind of just leaves it open, just cracked. You know, <laughs> I think he's sitting there thinking this isn't going to work. I mean, I literally just told her she didn't listen to a darn thing <laughs> I, I said. He's like crying, you know, <laughs> I laid it all out for her. And what does she do? <laughs> she was just, just the one thing I told her is like my kryptonite and is, is, and you, she almost closed the door on me. Is she just messing with me now? Yeah, you exactly. You say, oh, I, am I a joke to you? This is what I am to you, Wilma. <laughs> it's it's the alternate interpretation of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I don't know what happens after this. So that's what I, I think the next day he was like, well, seriously, Wilma, what was that about last night? Yeah. <laughs> Movie's over. <laughs> Let's take a minute to talk about the performance of uh, Kathy O'Donnell, whose real name was Ann Steely, by the way. It's just terrific in, in the scene and in the movie. You know, she's just luminescent in, in terms of her, her, her screen presence, but also just seems like that sincere Midwest girl next door that, you know, all these guys dreamed of coming home to. She's like that embodied. Oh, yeah. She 100% is the girl next door and she does it well. And, and she's good in these scenes, too. I, I gave her props previously when Harold Russell is showing what he can do, he takes his prosthetics off and he, and he's like, I can get his jammy shirt. He's like, I can get my, my top on and he wiggles into his shirt, but he, he gets, he struggles for a minute. You can see like it wasn't folded just right. So he was kind of like swirling it around. She goes to help him. It's a brief little moment. And she's like, got some concern. She wants to help him. And she, and she hesitates and just backs off. And honestly, you're not even looking at her. You're looking at him do do his thing. And I was like, man, that is a great little moment right there because she wants to help him, but it's not about helping him. He can do some things himself and, and she's great. And you know, she's just, yeah, I, 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 like you said, she is the perfect girl next door. She's just so sweet in these scenes too. (laughs) Uh, In, in, in the scene where, um, where his mother breaks down when she sees, uh, you know, when he, when he, when he's grabbing his barracks bag and, and, you know, when the family first meets him and, and his mother gets choked up and it's, it's Wilma that comforts her. She's, she's definitely like a, you know, a very caring person. And you, and you see that in the earlier scene. So it's like a continuous through line of her character that like, that's who she is. That's right. Yeah. It's like, like literally he's got the, like, the perfect girl and he just doesn't see it <laughs> until now, you know, I mean, he knows she's great, but he's like, eh, you know, it's just, she, but yeah, I, that, I caught that as well, that she, she comforts the mom. She gives the mom a hug. She's got to make the mom feel better. And you gotta, you gotta think too, like they probably, she's the girl, liter- the literal girl next door. She probably grew, I mean, these families grew up together, you know, as far as, you know, so to her, it's, it's almost like a, like a second mom, probably anyways, uh, you know, and soon to be mother-in-law spoilers, (laughs) spoiler alert. No, I, 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 and, and the other thing is interesting in, in, in the context of the time, I mean, take it for granted that, you know, these guys go to war and it changes them and they grow up and they become, you know, old before their time. But I mean, I think for for a lot of women in that generation is they had to step up and take responsibilities that a lot of people didn't. And, and clearly she's like the emotional anchor to a lot of people around her because, you know, probably she had to grow up faster than, than a lot of people expected. So, yeah. Yeah. Perry and I had uh, kind of joked or not joke. We, we speculated earlier because Homer kept co- referring to Wilma as a kid. 
and, and of course that brings up a conversation well what is their age difference blah 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 and and i think i think what we kind of came to the conclusion of is like you said he's older than his years because of war she stayed home doesn't look like she went to a factory she probably stayed in school she seems unlike other characters or other women of the time she seems like she remained mostly unchanged she's she's still kind of the kid next door so in his opinion she's just that kid that probably just recently graduated high school or is maybe in her early 20s but because she's kind of lived that fairly suburban easy i wouldn't say easy life but just she hasn't had to grow up to the extent of other people around her right so that's why he would maybe think well now we have nothing in common but you bring up an interesting point like she may had to grow up in a different way like you said being an emotional anchor just trying to be more mature about some of the some of the other things and and take care of things like she maybe she had to step up and do more you know around the house or or taking care of the neighbors or helping take care of homer's sister for all we know just any of that type of stuff right and and yeah and you have to have a maturity to be able to handle something like what she's going to handle and 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 also just to help other people be strong and she definitely has an she's very nurturing i, th- I think a lot in these in this scene once it once it's her turn to show that she's willing to stay with homer and 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 show how she's going to be a partner she's very nurturing right. to him now and she's probably was you know that I'm, I'm glad you said that because now i'm thinking of it differently and and that she probably was doing that during the war like and and so right. that's why she was able to just handle things when when he came home yeah no i i think it's it's i mean the war changed everybody and it's it's you know she's we don't see a lot of her we don't really delve into her backstory and yet she's clearly very mature for her age so you know that's that's it's she's obviously exactly the right girl for uh for homer it's such a layered story you know with all these different characters other than uh other than al's son i mean you you find out something about all of them <laughs> yeah right yeah uh al's son's just kind of forgotten he's just eh, he's gone we don't get into fred's <laughs> fred's story uh with his wife but but yeah. everybody has to deal with some sort of drama let's just say uh with with coming home and everybody's is a little bit different but it's all kind of the same it's all about getting readjusting to life and 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 i think it was brought up previously that it's not just like al coming home his family has to adjust to him being there as well you know so it's everybody's making adjustments and and that's why i think it's it is such a good uh, story for for a, a mass audience because it's not just about veterans it's about everybody do you have any other thoughts about the movie overall or in these, this particular scene or, or any, anything we haven't highlighted you'd like to? I've got nothing but thoughts about the movie, so we could, <laughs> we could talk for hours. I think we've covered everything we probably need to talk about for this minute. Sure. <laughs> if there's anything else you want to talk about, let me know. Yeah, great. Because well, that's funny because as we're, you know, as, as, as you and I are discussing, I'm thinking about other scenes of the movie. And it's like, oh, this is a good scene. We didn't get to talk about it. <laughs> And I, you know, of course, I, I gotta, I gotta bring up another movie that I didn't like, you know. So we gotta, we gotta get all that in there too. So can't just, can't just focus on one minute at a time. What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> so. What kind of foolishness is this? We're only talking about one minute at a time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, only a maniac would do that. <laughs> 
Rory, I appreciate you coming in and talking about this movie with me. I've had a good time kind of getting to talk about the, the movie overall. But before we wrap up, you know, where can people find you? Uh, any plugs you want to do? You can find me on IMDb. Uh, if you're a film professional, you can find me on IMDb Pro. It has all my contact info. I guess that would be the way to track me down. So it's it's been uh, it's been great. I've been I've had a really uh, really good time chatting about one of my favorite films ever. Again, I can't thank you enough for joining. I'll just take this opportunity now to you know let everybody know where they can find us. And I'm with the Marine Corps Movie Minute. Uh, where we break down movies of the Marine Corps one minute at a time. We've done Heartbreak Ridge. I'm hope to be in the midst of at least recording Full Metal Jacket by the time this comes out. So look for that. We're just found where all podcasts are found. And speaking of finding podcasts, the Best Minutes podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. We're at the main site, thebestminutes.com. Also, uh, if you'd like to join us on social media, there's Butch's Place, the Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe on Facebook, and on Twitter at The Best Minutes. I hope everybody can join us here next time for the Best Minutes podcast. See, normally this is where I would try to find uh, a line from the movie and and butcher it to death or make some sort of pun. But (laughs) literally, I think the only line from this scene is good night. <laughs> so, so I'll just say good night. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you can lay there and like cry a little bit. So that's good. I think it's good closing. Oh, right. You don't, see, you don't see, I have a single tear going down right now that we have, <laughs> that we're, we're finished podcasting. Hey, Joe. Better hurry up out there, because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor. You know, Harold, well, I always say Harold, Homer, (laughs) (laughs) now I know what our our, our blooper at the end is going to be.